Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. All right, hockey fans, welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa on Long Island. I'm in Vegas. Uh, we finally have a decent winning streak. Some good news in the Vegas Golden Knights nation to talk about this week. We've uh, been out for a couple weeks here, and it'll be good to catch up on what's been going on in Vegas. Uh, we got special guest Chris Wassel from the Host Fantasy Hockey X, and he writes at Dauber Prospects and the Sportsbook Wire. Um, my NHL trade rumors. He's all over the place. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris Wassel DFS. Uh, we're going to be talking some New Jersey Devils hockey with him. Vegas Golden fans, we just got a good look at at New Jersey, and as, as you know, they played a pretty good game. It's hard to imagine that they're the bottom dweller that they are. We're going to find out why when we talk to Chris later in the show. But first, let me bring in my Chris out on Long Island. Chris, good day to you, sir. Good day to you. It's good. To- Talk, talk hockey with you again, my friend. And, uh, uh, yeah, a lot's been going on with the Knights. Uh, most of it uh, uh, most of it very good. And um, so, uh, you know, they came through this New York area, kind of a I Love New York tour. It went 2 one That's pretty good. Uh, Not too bad. Heck of a game, heck of a game on, uh, on Thursday. I got to – Watch the game afterwards as I was out and about. But uh, good hockey game. Started. Oh, very good. So, uh, uh, yeah. Now the 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 Knights are in. Um, they're in third place. They're only a couple points uh, behind the uh, division leader uh, in Arizona, I believe, or is it Edmonton now? And Edmonton, um, yeah, Edmonton flipped last night. Yeah. Thirty-nine Edmonton, thirty-eight. Um, Arizona, that still seems weird to me to say. Um, but, yeah, the Knights are right there in third place with 35 points. And, you know, there, there, there are a couple teams right on top of them, which feels like for everybody, right? There's so much parity in the league. And, and those teams like the Sharks and Vancouver, I believe, have a game in hand. But, you know, just keep stacking the wins and things are going well. So you tell me where you want to where you want to start. You want to start about this past week or, or the goaltending? Well, yeah, let's talk about the the winning streak. We haven't uh, been able to talk about that at all um, so far this season. It seemed like for a while they were in the win two, lose one, win two, lose one, and then they hit the skids uh, with a season-long five-game losing streak. Um, They come back. They go, uh, you know, they came off the losing streak with a goal three ten. Now we're going back a ways. We haven't had a chance to chat about this in a while, but they go, they get the, the goal with three tenths of a second left and win the game in overtime against Nashville. Then they come home with a good two, one victory against Arizona, which you got to win that game with Arizona in front of them in the standings. And then uh, on the broadcast the, uh, on the Rangers game, I believe they were talking about that only 10 teams have gone through the, uh, the, th- the New York trifecta and won all three games, uh, Rangers, Devils, Islanders. So to get, uh, Five out of a possible six points winning against the Rangers pretty easily and coming from behind against New Jersey in a back-to-back situation. Subban played both of those games back-to-back, by the way, um, to put the finishing touches on a four-game win streak. And then um, Tuck with an absolute laser beam to tie the game with about five minutes left on the island. And then uh, it seemed like they could not get the puck from the Islanders in three-on-three. That's been one of the bugaboos for the Golden Knights this season in the overtime play. And then uh, Marshall takes the tripping penalty and, and 10 seconds later that it's ball game. But, but uh, 
five-game unbeaten streak, we'll call it, um, unbeaten in regulation. Um, so the panic meter is, is low now, sir. We're back down around a one or a two. All of these games have been with Subban and Net. Marc-Andre Fleur having left the team by now. Everybody knows that he is back with the team now um, due to the passing away of his father, Andre Fleury. So just condolences and thoughts go out to the, the Fleury family from here at the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Um, hopefully, hopefully they're going to get through this. And he is back with the team. No word yet on if he will be playing against the Rangers tomorrow. Um, Zuban has stepped up and claimed his place as the Vegas Golden Knights backup goaltender. Um, is, you know, there's a definite Subban side and a Subban hater group in, in Golden Knights Nation. Um, hard to hard to get too too down on him after his recent play. He has been he's looked better every game, playing back to back and winning both of those, um, turning away a number of high opportunity chances by the Islanders. Uh, to keep that game close and get them to overtime and get the point. You know, I was texting you about that game earlier in the week, Chris, and as as like, well, you know, I, I know they're playing good and everything, but when you stack up everything against the Golden Knights, it's their third game in four nights, their last game of a road trip, which is historically a good spot to bet against a team um, as they're looking for to getting back home they're playing their backup goaltender and they're playing against a team that's gone was it 16 three and one over their last 19 games something like that um all 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 indicators said that the the new york islanders that night and they did get the win but the the knights were fortunate to get a point and now they get a couple days off before they play the rangers tomorrow early start on sunday at four o'clock so things looking up of course you could say that Arizona in in that group of games is the best win. Nashville struggling in this, this part of the season. Um, Rangers and Devils, obviously, in their rebuilding mode, and you're kind of supposed to win those games. Um, but when you have a backup goaltender playing back-to-back nights, you never know. Um, putting on a spirit effort after that against the Islanders. Um, up in Nassau, which is always a really a tough environment historically for teams to come in and play. And, um, and I, I believe that was the night's first game ever at the Collie. I, I believe you're correct. Sir. And yeah, they, the other know, Gallant, years were in Brooklyn. Yeah, and Gallant uh, returning to this former stomping ground. Uh, I believe his first game as a player was up in, in on the island there. So um, all in all, a real good, good week and a half for the Golden Knights. Um, the, the one loss in all of that situation is Cody Eakin goes down with an elbow to the head and he's, I believe listed week to week. And what that has done is allowed Cody glass to slide over third line center playing his natural position and center a line with tuck and Carrier, And that line has been on fire since that was put together. Um, I don't know what you do when Eakin's ready to come back. He's week to week. So you might not need to make that decision for a little while, but with a top nine that's playing as well as this top nine is. And they did make a trade, a fifth round pick for, for Stevenson from the Washington Capitals, another center for the roster and having Nick Waugh uh, also being able to spend time and Tomas Nosek could spend time on fourth line center duties. Um, that led to some speculation uh, in the last few days that the Golden Knights might be targeting a blue liner with Cody Eakin. And, and uh, you talked to me this morning, uh, Lyle Spector has pinpointed a possible trade target for the Golden Knights, right? Yeah, um, Sammy, and we'll let me get Chris's uh, view on the Devils and where they're at. Sammy uh, Vatnin of the uh, Devils, uh, who I'm sure is going to be very sought after. If you notice, anyone who's a halfway above-average defenseman traded, uh, even a pending Uf- UFA traded at the deadline. If you go back and look the last couple of years, uh, you're talking about second and third-round third picks. You know what I mean? Like, for instance, like Ron Hainsey, who's kind of a really good veteran, you know, back-end guy, I think garnered uh, over the last year or two, like a couple of third-round picks kind of thing. So a guy like that, and then, uh, who's, a, who's better than that, uh, you know, 
uh, is he's going to you got to get good draft capital at least for him. Now, what, if that's something Devils want to do, if they're looking more draft capital or player can help them moving forward sooner than later, uh, we'll have to get that feel from Chris when he comes on in a couple of minutes. But um, um, yeah, and I think the Subban, uh, unfortunately, the unfortunate news with. Flurry stepping away from the team for the reasons that that it was with his dad passing away, giving Subban a chance like he's the guy to play a few games, settle in, not look over his shoulder, for lack of a better term. And, you know, we, we've harped on this, and now maybe he could be, you know, Flurry is still going to play the, the majority of the games, but, you know, put Subban in and feel good about it, be it at home or road and uh, and whatnot. So, you know, that's that's definitely a certain positive. The team has definitely been a little bit more consistent. I thought they played really well uh, from what I saw against the Islanders. And um, For sure. Uh, yeah, I, I thought that was a terrific game just in general. I did too. But I thought uh, both teams played really well. Could have went either way. It was a, and, and to be – I know that you mentioned that it was a bugaboo of the night. Uh, the, the Islanders have an excellent record in overtime, and they're very good on three-on-three in terms of – Puck handling and uh, absolutely, so, that was keep away. Know, <laughs> yeah, that was keep, that was uh, that was keep away. So um, uh, and so I, I I like you know for the first time all year, I feel like the Knights are in a good position. Um, yeah. But having said that, uh, you know things are so tight, and I could say the same thing about the Islanders. Um, things are as as all this good work that they've done. Things are so tight. You know, if you have a bad week, all of a sudden you could be on the verge of being uh, out of the playoff bubble. So, yep. I mean, that's just how much the parity and where all the teams stack up, both in the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. So they got to keep on, um, uh, keep it on. They, you know, they like you mentioned, they have the Rangers coming to town tomorrow. Then the Hawks come in, who've been better than expected. Won a game, even though giving up a big lead the other night in Boston, and but still came back to win it. And then they go on the road to St. Louis and Dallas back to back next week, um, end of next uh, end of this coming week. So right. not an easy not an easy uh, four pack there. So uh, let, let's see if they can play that consistent game. Uh, they'll they'll have their team in the right position, I believe. I I agree. I think you got to win the Rangers game and the Blackhawks game, and then you get yep. one out of two on St. Louis and Dallas, and that's a great week if you. Can- Six out yep. of eight points on this on this uh, next four games. I almost think that's going to um, they'll be real close, if not in first place in the division. I think. I think um, Edmonton starting to show a couple chinks in the armor. They did get a win last night, two uh, one against the Los Angeles Kings. Coyotes are the team I think that are maybe the the team that is going to be able to hold on. And, and keep playing this brand of hockey. So consistency, as you said, Chris, is going to be the, the name of the game for the Golden Knights. They've, they've fought their way back into it. And now, now you got to keep getting uh, two out of three, two out of three, three out of four. Put a cup, you know, you have a five-game unbeaten streak. They can get the Rangers and the Blackhawks. That's going to go uh, extend out to seven games unbeaten. And you know, the confidence is growing with this group. They know now that they can win with Malcolm Subban and net um, on any given night, home or road that they, that they will be competitive. And that's going to, you know, we always harp on about Mark Andre Fleury getting his rest and Subban seems to be better. The more he plays, um, he gets in, it seems to get in a groove. He seems to find his rhythm. He can, seems to keep more f- Focus, as it were, there was an interesting stat they talked about in in, in the shootout game against uh, Arizona. Was he's never lost a shootout, and the goal that he gave up in that shootout was the first goal he's ever given up in a shootout. So um, the, that that's a, a good sign for the Knights who are having trouble in overtimes and shootouts so far this season. So um, one thing to go back real quick, Chris, before uh, Chris Wassel joins us, if if they want, if they're not interested in another expiring contract in Cody Eakin, uh, going back to talk about the Sammy Fontman trade, um, you know, we hold, we being the Golden Knights, um, hold the New Jersey Devils second round pick 
in 2021 and their third round pick coming up in 2020 from the Nikita Gusev deal um, for an expiring contract in Sammy Vontanen is a $4.75 million cap hit. Um, they don't have that much cap space. So if you do send Eakin over there, another expiring hit, he's 3.875, I believe, so that they do have cap space to make that deal. And if they return either next year's third or the following year's second, you got to think that might be enough to get that kind of a deal done. Yeah, I don't and know. not like hurt I their said, hurt uh, their own draft it, picks, right? Uh, those kind of good, solid defensemen. Um, I'm not trying to make out uh, Vaughn to be a first pairing guy, but they're very wanted commodities come to trade deadline, come you know, New Year, and uh, everybody everybody needs those guys. All and there's a lot of teams contending for the playoffs. So uh, I'm not saying not thinking. There's nothing wrong with that thinking, but. He's going to be, if he's put out there, he's going to be a, uh, a wanted man. And I don't know how many, how deep that blue line list is going to be. I haven't, I've studied it a little bit. It's not going to be overloaded. So um, that's just something to, can, to consider. Uh, you know, it'll, it'll really come down to the market. What you're saying does make a lot of sense. And also, he can, even though he's not having the statistical year that he had last year, he would also be uh, a very valuable commodity for a team out there. I could take a phone on Long Island who, who could use some center help. Although and a great penalty Islanders. killer. Yeah. So, you know, he, it's kind of deal like, let's say you can get, um, just, uh, you know, what in giggles, a two and a four over two years and throw in Eakin and then you can flip Eakin and then you wind up getting, you know, three draft picks, you know, for, uh, at the end of the day. So that's something to think of, uh, think about, think about and it works out from the night standpoint as well. The good thing about that is that Vaughn is a right-hand shot, and they have one on the roster right now. So I would let uh, Nate Schmidt slot back over to the left side if they play with him um, and and play more of his natural position as well. Um, really something to keep an eye on. But now that we have Chris Wassel here, I'm sure we'll be able to get into that in a minute. Chris is joining the Vegas Hockey Podcast to talk about some New Jersey Devils hockey. Uh, Chris, welcome to the show, buddy. Long time. Uh. Good, good afternoon. It's been a long time, hasn't it? Absolutely. We appreciate you taking the time come, coming on and, and talking some Devils hockey with us. Well, we did see the Devils this week in Vegas Golden Knights Nation. It was uh, kind of a back-and-forth affair watching that game. Kind of – is that kind of the nutshell of the New Jersey Devils season so far is, is uh, maybe a microcosm of the Vegas Golden Knights game where they come out, they're competitive, they even take the lead at, at one point during the game, but then for some reason not able to close the deal. That's pretty much the normal for New Jersey, unfortunately. Uh, you know, at, time, at times they're, they're either at times flat out competitive or they just completely duck hook into the water. Uh, they're, they're, <laughs> I they're, know that feeling. They re- <laughs> Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, they they are very, very much a bipolar, sort of a just all over the place type of team, uh, and that's the reality. Uh, you know, when your when your when your defense is as as convoluted as it is, and the system that goes with it hasn't helped much. Um, anytime you anytime you try to play a system that minimizes chances with a defense team defense that's not very good, um, results can be disastrous. And then, of course, what really doesn't help New Jersey often is their penalty kill, which has been just horrid all season. Um, I mean, you can't give up some of the chances that they have on the penalty kill and expect to have a penalty kill that's above 80%. You, 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 just, you just can't. And you, you add the two of those together, and you get, unfortunately, what is a team that often has to score three, four, five goals to win, and most times they cannot. Well, with that, let me just uh, go off the observation here a little bit. We may have a pretty solid penalty killer for you. Um, there's some rumor talk here in Las Vegas the last couple of days that there may be a uh, Sammy Votnin, Cody Eakin deal being rumbled about. And I don't know if that's just obviously getting to be that time of year where these things start to <laughs> to come to a head both have expiring contracts um Eakin's about a million dollars less than Vodnin 
And if let's say that uh, the Golden Knights want to return either the second round pick or the third round pick that you sent their way in the Nikita Gusev deal, how would that strike uh, Devil's Nation as far as as being able to, to get Vatanen out and still have a couple future picks coming back and then a good penalty killer for the rest of the season? It's it's pretty close to what I'm hearing actually. There's 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 some there's some rumblings. Shoot, there's a lot of rumblings going on right now. Right. Unfortunately, it's, my, my 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 I think my phone is going to explode at some point this week if <laughs> what happened, what could happen actually does happen. So, uh, but but that is one of the one of the deals that's being floated around. I know I know. Um, uh, General Manager Ray Shero is actively on the phones because clearly something popped through my phone about 11:30 this morning uh, that was way off from what normally you'd expect on a, on a typical Saturday when you're going through uh, rumors. For the, for those that don't know, um, I work with I work with Lyle Richardson and Mark Eason of my NHL trade rumors uh, quite a bit. Uh, you know, kind of in a way, co-run, co-run the site sort of, sort of in a in a nice way, uh, digging through a lot of the rumors out there. And look, you know, you're in Vegas, you're gonna you're gonna see a lot more of this in 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 the next particularly week to ten days, uh, because after as we know, after the twentieth, it all goes silent for about a week to week and a half with the uh, holiday yep. roster series. So, so something. Something's going to get done. Your rumor, your rumors are going to start to heat up right about two to three hours ago, and that's exactly what, what has happened. So, uh, Eakin indeed right. could he could be headed this way. I, look, I don't, I can't say return wise what will happen, um, but I can say that the, the two players have been talked about as a possibility for each other. All right, that's almost a little bit of breaking news here, Chris. Uh, my Chris, uh, Lisa, um, here on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of been been what we've been hearing over here as well. Um, then now there's another another guy uh, who who might garner more uh, of a trade market than Vatnin, although I think that would be a real good piece for the Golden Knights considering uh, they've struggled a little bit on the blue line so far this year. Is Ray Shero in a position um, Taylor Hall's got to go. He's he's come out and said that he won't negotiate till the end of the season. This is starting to sound a lot like the Vera's situation. Is this, if they can't talk him into at least negotiating, does he got to go? Well, it looks like not only has he got to go, but it looks like he might be going. Uh, Is that right? Yeah, there's 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 definite rumblings that if it doesn't ha- if it doesn't happen before the holiday uh, roster freeze, that it, it's going to at some point happen before the trade deadline. It, there's there's just there's just a feel of inevitability, uh, even before John Hines was fired earlier this week. It looked like it looked at, it looked flat out at times like Taylor Hall had checked out. Um, it's looked like that a few times this season, to be fair. And look, he doesn't like to lose. I, I understand that. No, nobody does. Right. Uh, but there's just there's just certain fundamentals and things that and plays that you'd see Taylor Hall easily connect on that he has not been all season. And you can't just say that it's oh because of a low shot percentage or it's because of bad luck or it's because of this. It's because he's legitimately frustrated for whatever reason, and you know I'm I'm not I'm never going to get into a player's head in a month of Sundays, so I can't really say it's one reason or another. But I can say there's something definitely there uh, that is that is bubbling to the surface, and now now it's really just a question, guys, of can it get done in the next? Well, in this case, you figure. The Avalanche play the Devils next week. Just saying, they play next Friday. They play on the thirteenth. Is that one of the teams you're hearing uh, going hard on, hard in on Hall? That is that that is one that is one team that is definitely uh, hammering in on on, on Hall. Now there, there's a couple different returns that are being bantied about. So again, it's a very fluid situation. So we can't really say what is the 
what is close to becoming an actual return in this trade because there's kind of an A and B scenario that's still being floated around. It's also why Taylor Hall is playing tonight and not being quote-unquote sat out. Um, so when you look at it that way, it's it's understandable for you know reader listener and, and et cetera to go hmm okay well there is something going on but we're we're still at the beginning stages of this uh, and it it just all forwards and funnels to this inevitable point that the devils are at least below the surface trying to get something done now as opposed to later. Hey Chris, Chris here. So. Um... And just piggybacking off that Taylor Hall uh, thing, and in terms of the of uh, looking for the return of Shiro's mindset, because it seems to me his mindset this offseason, he made some uh, under the radar bold moves, trading uh, a lot of really good draft picks away. Didn't get the headlines that it, it probably should have, because he didn't trade away first round picks, but he traded away a number of second and third round picks, and. Um, uh, the Gusev trade, the, the, uh, the P.K. Subban trade, um, and, you know, signing Wayne Simmons, granted it was a one-year deal, to try to uh, kind of force-feed this year to be uh, contending for playoff year, and maybe all that was to convince Taylor Hall to stay. And all that has really not worked out very well. Um, so given all that, is he now going to kind of flip the script and say, all right, I try that, it didn't work, we're farther away than I than I thought we are. I'm going to be looking at a future assets package for the Vatnins, uh, for Taylor Hall, and you know usually for a top a top player like a Hall who's a pending uh, unrestricted free agent, we're talking first round pick, uh, you know a top fifty, let's call it a top fifty prospect, and you know maybe a, a sweetener or two added. In there, uh, is that what you expect Shiro to get? And then uh, just just another point on that, because I know you do a lot of work for the draft, and uh, a good friend of the show, Russ Cohen, uh, and uh, listening to some of uh, his stuff about this coming draft, it seems like this is a very deep draft, kind of reminding of the Barzell, Kyle Connor, Travis Konecki, Brooke Bosner draft. I think that was twenty. 15, if memory serves correct. Maybe it was yeah. getting old. Um, and so teams are going to be reluctant to trade their first-round picks. Now, Taylor Hall's a different set of encyclopedias, but I know it's a long-winded question, but putting all that in a blender for me, well, what are your thoughts on everything I just said? Okay, so what what, what is what is in play and what isn't right now? Now, we can't list every part because it's all moving around, but the idea is the 2020 first-round pick from Colorado is definitely in play. There may be a condition attached to it, um, but that, at this time that's not, you know, not confirmed just yet, but it's there. Um, there are a few scenarios that are floating around as far as, as, as the top who the top prospect may be. It may be Connor Timmons. It may still be Bowen Byram, although that's looking a little less of a possibility right now, but that can change. And then you would have, yes, you would have your one or two sweeteners along the way. Now, what is what has been interesting a little bit, and it's played as a bit of a thorn in the side of this potential deal perhaps, is the fact that uh, Miles Wood may be involved in some way. Uh, so, you know, there's again, there's a, there's a lot of dynamics involved. Um, New Jersey clearly is hitting the reset button here, and they and they had to. And the, the biggest problem in New Jersey, and we had said it from the beginning of the year, um, was was the system involved in the first place by John Hines, and you combine that with a below average team defense. And you do have the recipe for what could have been a really bad start. And sure enough, it happened. Um, did anybody expect it to be this bad? No. No. You, you, could, you couldn't have foreseen some of the bizarre, um, I wouldn't say incidents, but just examples of just bad luck. You have so many players that are on ridiculously low shooting percentages right now. Um, you have players missing wide open chances that normally never would. I mean, I'm not, I'm not just going to say Taylor Hall. I mean, 
Kyle Palmieri should have 17 or 18 goals right now, to be honest. I know he has 10. I understand that, you know, not bad by any stretch of the imagination, but he probably should have 17 or 18 right now, and he would even admit that as well. He's had a lot of chances. Um, you know, Jack, Jack Hughes probably should have 15 or 20 points at least right now or more uh, just based on some of the chances. he. I mean, he had five or six scoring chances last night alone, and none of them went in. None. None. The, the, one, the one goal actually wasn't much of a scoring chance by him. It was just a simple pass. He got lucky, as he put it. So you have this perfect storm of where New Jersey, unfortunately, is not near where they thought they would be. They thought they would probably be four or five games above 500. Instead, they're four or five below. And as a result, in this league, if you're, you're five below 500, and it's getting darn close to Christmas. You're thinking you might be a seller if you're not St. Louis. This this isn't a case of a team that's going to be able to turn this around overnight. This is a much much bigger problem than what St. Louis had. Uh, St. Louis had a had really just they just needed above average goaltending and consistent scoring. New Jersey needs a heck of a lot more than that. They need a lot of things to be fixed and a lot of tweaks to their system. And this is something that takes too much time to where you could say, oh, a playoff berth is definitely a possibility still. It's not. Not to be the bearer of bad news, but the reality is that's it. They're not making the playoffs. Um, But to be competitive for the rest of the season, the team does need to play a looser style, which is going to lead to even more chances, which is why they're going to have to sell some of their assets to get some of those second and third round picks back, which they can easily do because they do have enough enough sellable assets. Uh, your Bantons, your Woods, um, even if he wants to waive a certain clause, Travis Ajak may may want to go. Does Andy Green want to waive his to have a chance at a, a championship? You know, he is in his mid thirties; he's on the other side. Um, he would be a nice penalty killer for a team out there, you know, five five million. It's not horrible. It's not great, but you know, prorated. It's prorated. It looks a heck of a lot better. That that's for sure. So that would be a close to the deadline deal, and that's how often you know we look at it as far as far as process for a team that thought they were aiming for this, and instead they got that. So Chris. Um... What have you seen of in terms of the development this year? You know, obviously Jack Hughes is literally a kid, but for both Hughes and uh, Hitchler, uh in terms of the season. Well, the 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 big problem, at, at, le- at least for me with, with, with Hughes, and you saw it a few times last night with some 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 plays here and there. He still has to gain probably about ten or fifteen pounds. Uh, that's that's a, that's about right, and that's going to happen in time. Uh, his, his year had the same kind of thing in his rookie year. Uh, Hughes is going through through it now at times. He does get knocked around a little bit more than he probably should. He has enough speed that he can avoid most of these hits. But I get it. he's trying he's trying to make the hockey play the hockey play. Um, yeah, and you, you look at some of the just the, the out the out and out talent. And you're almost mesmerized by what he can do on the ice. I mean, I shoot, I'm you know I'm a scout on this, that, and whatever. But as a fan, I'm wa- I'm watching last night and I'm going, wow, this is pretty good. I mean, you're watching this guy just outright walk Patrick Kane for like 20 seconds. I mean, not many players do this. And you know, yes, and unfortunately led to the Devils hitting a post. But I mean, the chance was—I mean, it was great. It was great A quality, and it was an indication of wow, this 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 kid's gonna be all right. And you know, as for his year, it's been it's been unfortunate this year because really they haven't played that much at the same time. Um, you know, Hughes had the bone bruise that kept him out for about a week or so. His year's been sick a couple times. You know, had was banged up a little bit. Has the flu still? Uh, at least as as of this afternoon, so his playing status wasn't quite known as of before I went on went on 
one on the air with you guys. I'm sure it's probably being cleared up as I speak because that's always how it happens when we're talking about this. But you know, these are these are two excellent centers that New Jersey can definitely build off of. Maybe not in the way of say building off a of Taylor Hall, but you can you can build off these guys and acquire an, enough talent where if you get one more blue chip player, they they should be just fine. So again, does does it horribly suck that New Jersey's probably going to have to wait another couple of years at least. Yeah. Is it the end of the world? No, because we've pretty much been waiting since 2012 anyway. So it's what, what's, what's another couple of years to be honest. Uh, Chris, before I hand you back off to uh, Mark here, um, what have you seen at a Gusev? Uh, I mean, clearly he has a lot of skill, but, uh, it doesn't seem like uh, things are working out well with him. Is this a guy who has a lot of skill? But uh, is one thing to have a lot of skill; it's another thing to be uh, a really good winning hockey player. Ah, I knew this was coming. The answer is this: he's actually a lot better player than people probably realize. He's actually looked. He's actually looked good in New Jersey. Uh, was he put in ideal situations at first? No, and that's part of the reason why John Hines is no longer coach of the Devils. Um, you know, unfortunately, I, I still believe for as good of a guy as Hines is, the pressure got to him. The pressure clearly got to him. He did not handle adversity very well in his time in New Jersey, and that's a lesson that anybody can learn. Uh, doesn't matter what profession, and if you're a coach, a scout, a writer, um, you know, player, etc., you have to be able to handle pressure. And unfortunately, Coach Hines was not able to really do that in New Jersey for more than a short stretch here and there. And his handling of Gusev in particular was poor. Um, you, you have to you have to let guys play sometimes. And having them basically skate on eggshells doesn't help anybody, and it makes it it does make a team legitimately worse. It really does, and the results are there. I mean, you know, there's tangible results out there in New Jersey season this year to suggest that definitely players were playing with a sort of a look of fear on their over their shoulder, like if I make a mistake here, um, I may not play much the next game or even the next shift, and. That's kind of what happened with Gusev a little bit. He did he did go back, um, spend a little bit of time with Patrick Elias, who's a few better few better two way forwards in the history of the NHL than than, than Patrick Elias out there. Um, that's true. And and that's you know, that's a good guy to learn off of. And you know, you know Elias is a pretty good offensive player in his day as well. And when you you combine the two, you go hmm, okay, you see a difference now. And particularly in Gusev's play over the last, say, six to eight games, uh, where maybe the points aren't always there, but the effort, the scoring chances, and the defensive effort has arguably been better than even guys like Taylor Hall. And that's 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 a welcome sight to see because if you, you know you have you have Gusev for another year and a half, you figure, or a little bit more than a year and a half uh, under contract. You you want to see improvement at least, and so far, we, we you know, Devil fans have seen enough improvement. I mean, aside from the goose chance and, and such, but the overall level of play has risen as the year has gone on from him. I I I haven't seen some of the I haven't seen some of the lolly lollygagging and lackadaisical play that you occasionally saw from him over in the KHL every so often. And that kind of makes sense when you're uh, coming in at, at, I mean, let's face it, you're a unknown commodity in the NHL, even though, you know, your record setting MVP led your team to the Gregarian Cup final. You're still kind of an undersized winger. Um, and during the broadcast of the Devils game, they were talking about, well, the KHL tape measure and, and scale are a little bit heavier than the, the mm-hmm. tape measures they used in the NHL. A couple inches shorter and about 15 pounds lighter listed in the NHL press book, right? Um, yep. Kind of like the, the old, old two, school. The old, two, the, the old 215 rule, as they used to call That's it. Two it. inches 
two inches taller and 15 pounds heavier. It's like they got the tape measure from the old UNLV basketball team when uh, Larry Johnson was listed at 6'8", 225, and uh, maybe about 6'4", you know, but, uh, you know, amongst friends who's counting. But, you know, it, he could have signed with the Golden Knights for a couple million bucks and, and came in and, and just played a rookie season. But we all know his salary demands and, and you know, basically forced the trade to the Devils. Effort is the one thing you would expect out of somebody who came into the NHL with a four, four and a half million dollar salary demand, having never set foot in North American rink, really. Um, so at, at least you're starting to see a consistency in that uh, regard regarding Nikita Gusev. Yeah, exactly, and that's that's what you know. People have to understand. It's like, and he will bulk up a little bit. Um, I know uh, one of the, one of the jokes he, <laughs> in the locker room was like, hmm, "Well, he, he can't really bench press much." Um, <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. It's like, it's like, oh boy, we're gonna have we're gonna have something with the pull ups again. You know, like with uh, Casey Middlestat. Um, I hope hey. not. But, <laughs> yeah, it's but. I'll tell you my own funny story real fast. A year ago, I could not do I could not do a pull up for my, for the life of me. Like about a year and a half ago, and now it's just like oh, okay, no 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 sweat at all. It's like yeah, give Goose that time. He'll 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 be fine. He's a he's a fast learner, which also helps immensely here. And people people probably have underestimated the cerebral quality of his game the most because again. Yeah, unknown quality, commodity coming in, and you go, hmm, well, you know, what can he really do? And now, um, you know, about just about thirty games into the you know, season, and we kind of see, you know, little bits and pieces of, hey, well, maybe you know, this this is going to pan out at least enough for New Jersey that, uh, you know, Gusev's not only a fan favorite already, but. He has a heck of a release on the on his shot. It 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 really is as advertised. It's almost like a Joe Sackick type of snapshot that you just you don't see very often. So no. now it's just a question of getting him in situations where he can a use that shot, b use his speed, and c not get clocked around like a human pinata. Uh, you know that's that, that's kind of that's kind of where where you're at with. You know, not only Gusev, but a couple of these other players that have come up with from New Jersey, like Jesper Boquist, for example. Um, it's part of why Boquist has been put into the top six is to give them a little bit of protection. Uh, bottom six doesn't offer you any protection at all, unfortunately, in the NHL. And, um, you know, you have to see what some of these players can do. And New Jersey is now going to get that chance. That's, that's, that's always a good thing. Well, all right, Chris. Thanks for joining us. Real quick, uh, you, you also do some time with Dauber Prospects, and, and Chris touched on the draft a little bit. Who are some players that people may not have on their radar at this point in time, but that you see right now rising up and, and may, uh, may force their way into a first-round selection here coming up in the amateur draft? It, it it's been fun it's been fun to watch because it, it, at least for me dra- uh, draft wise you know you you look at the Lafreniere's and uh, it's just it, it's it's almost downright hypnotic to watch some of these guys um, and I go wow it's like man I'm covering this I'm pretty damn lucky um, but. It, it, it it's funny because it's like you, you, you see you see the leaders you see some of these guys and you're looking at them it's like man this is gonna, this is gonna change a lot between between now and June you're you're just about the six month mark between now and, and draft day so I I talked to it's funny I talked to the draft an, analyst Steve Corianos the other day we we're we're in communication at least whole once or twice a week uh, not as often as I would like because nah, I just Life gets in the way, unfortunately. Uh, no kidding. <laughs> now, 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 here, now, here's a great, here's a great example of a guy that's jumped over the over the last year. Tim uh, Stutzi, Stutzel, who um, is a is a German prospect forward, was probably like about forty, like a, I would say, a year ago, maybe forty or fifty. 
moves up to 23 in the summer, and as crazy as this sounds, maybe a top three or four pick when all is said and done. So he's a guy. Wow. So he's a guy that was probably he was probably early mid second round at the start the start of the calendar year, and now now he looks like he's he's poised to, you know, three, four, maybe five. And that that again, this is where where it often gets interesting. You have you have looks and players. You have like the Jan Misaks of the world, um, who's been pretty consistent uh, and been passed by, ironically. Yeah, you guessed it. Uh, you know, our, our our German prospect who just came out of nowhere, and this is often what happens with these drafts. Um, you know, you look at the Drysdales of the world. It, the rankings are fun. They they always are. But here's 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 where here's where I I, I always I always have a good little chuckle. One player from the USHL I want people to people to watch out for. And this is this and look, I'm gonna get this immediately, so I'll just throw it out of the way. Alex LaFerriere from from Des Moines in the USHL. Um and it's not just because he's from New Jersey and I've scouted him for the last I would say four to five years. All right. He is going to be really good and be right near the first round. He's one guy he's one guy that you're definitely going to watch for. He's he's harbor bound. And you will see him at the upcoming World Junior A Challenge, which is coming up very, very fast. Um, you know, often and people forget that it, this often comes right before that big World Junior Championship that everybody talks about every year, right after Christmas. Um, so you have that. You have the Nick Maliks of the world. Um, another guy that I like. I don't know if he's going to get get to the first round, but maybe he does. Is Maverick Bork from Shawnigan of the uh, uh, from the uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, uh, often scoring from the from the Q, uh, gets skewed a little bit, no pun intended, just because it's the Q. Uh, it does have a little bit of a reputation on rankings analysis of being a little bit lower than say the WHL, uh, USHL, and, and, and other leagues. Um, and then of course there's 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 Seth Jarvis from Portland of the WHL who is just if you, if anybody has watched or streamed WHL coverage, just watch Portland and Seattle play each other. Just 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 watch, just watch Seth Jarvis versus Ty Smith, and, and, and just watch those two players and enjoy just the ability of, of the fluid skating, and um, both have an excellent wrist shot that often get overlooked. So uh, there's that, and of course, finally, I I would be remiss to um, forget. Uh, Yoni Yermo, who has been ma- making the rise for uh, y- y- Jokerit. Uh he's playing for their under-20 team right now uh, at this time, who okay. literally looks like an NHL-ready player already at his age. You know, not not even not even 18 just yet, but looks he has that part of rangy NHL player around six, you know, you know, tall enough around 205 pounds or so. Depending on your tape measure and, and weight scale again, because you, know, you never quite know. So mm. yeah, there's a there's a lot out there, and another one too, goalie. Yeah, I know, I know, goalies rarely go in the first round, but this guy might go in the second, and that would be Finland's Joe Blomquist, who has just given up a ridiculous goal or less in almost half of his starts in in, in, in the Finnish junior leagues which translates to like a 932 save percentage. So even though he's not facing that many shots, he's been able to make a ton of saves. Well, all right, Chris, thanks for taking the time to join us here on this Saturday morning or afternoon, wherever everybody is. Um, you can follow Chris on Twitter at Chris Wassel DFS. That's W A S S E L DFS um, for all of his content on the web. Any, any, anything else you want to get out there where they can find your stuff? Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, again, you can Twitter. Twitter is probably the best way, just because I'm able to answer questions in a quick and now a little bit longer of a manner. I can sit there and not just have to write 140 characters all the time, which is kind of nice. Uh, but also, uh, obviously, I do a lot of work over a lot of the daily fantasy sites out there, such as uh, Awesomeo, uh, Rotoballer. Um, I do um, I do stats work for for Numberfire as well and betting analysis um i do a little bit of betting 
consultant work over for OddsChecker, a nice little uh, uh, overseas site that's better known as Sky Sports. And you know, naturally, and the most obvious, I do I do a little feature work for a little small conglomerate of us hockey writers that you may know pretty well. Um, Lyle Richardson, James Murphy, um, yep. Bob Duff. There, there's quite a few of us. Um, you know, Andrew Burke. You know, Andrew Berkshire. Um, you know, a couple guys from the Hockey News. You know, and the and the name of, name of the company is called Featured. So, it's not spelled the normal way. It's F E A T U R D. So we get a few jokes here and there, and it's like, oh, is it a bunch of turds? But <laughs> no, it's, it's actually quite an it's it's an excellent little site where. Uh, a lot of a lot of us uh, hockey writers are able to branch out a little bit and do some things that are a little out of the ordinary in the hockey world. So we do a lot, you know, do a lot, but also get a, get a lot out of things too. So, and obviously, I'd be remiss if I said said then then shout this out. Uh, a special thanks to uh, Mark Eason again and Lyle Richardson for all their work that they do uh, over at uh, my my NHL trade rumors. If it wasn't if it wasn't for Mark, I wouldn't have this kind of job uh, where I'm able to do this, and I'm extremely grateful every day for it. Well, all right. If uh, if any of these rumors do come true regarding the Golden Knights and the Devils, we're going to have to reach out to you and get a quick breakdown on on uh, any trade that may happen between the Knights and the Devils. Thanks again for taking the time, and we'll talk to you down the road. Yeah, thanks. Thanks again, guys. A- anytime you need me, just. Just drop a line. Copy that. All right, Chris. Uh, Lots of rumor breaking. It got into more of the the rumor mill than I thought. We had a little breaking news there with uh, possibly the Hall-Colorado connection, and he's hearing the same thing as a Vatanen for uh, maybe Eakin and Picks or some package coming the other way to the Golden Knights. And kind of what we expect about the Devils where it seems like it might get to the point where everybody is in play this season, sir? Yeah, well, I, I think I think this is a rebuild. And, you know, they have Heeshler, they have Hughes, uh, they're going to have a top pick, top ten pick this draft. We'll see where that falls to build around. And then, you know, uh, it, it appears, and you know, the Metro might be playing better than and people thought that it would. So they're a couple of years away at least, and it's got to be centered around building from that. So as many draft picks. And like I said, they've traded a lot of picks, you know, away. They traded a the Supan deal. I want, you know, not all in this coming draft, but, um, you know, in, in the next couple of drafts, and that really hasn't worked out well. And the Supan deal and the Gusev deal, as an example, I think they gave up three future draft picks for Subban and two future draft picks for Gusev. So that's a lot of picks. They had a lot of picks in the in in their in, in their possession, uh, but they moved a lot of them. So um, yeah, they're gonna have to. Like I said, Colorado's a team that has has a lot of cap space. Uh, they have a lot of prospects, so they're a good fit. They're in the different. They're in the Western Conference. So there's from that aspect as well trading out of conference, but they have to do the best uh, to get the best deals they can for these players and, and have their eye towards, uh, towards, towards the big picture. Yeah. Especially in the Eastern conference where there's so many good teams up at the top. And even, even a team like uh, Pittsburgh, who I believe currently is not in a playoff spot. Um, oh, they are. They are the, Did they get the in? One. Yeah, they're the number one wild card right now. They've okay. had a okay. they've had a good run, but um, yeah, no, you're right. It's the Eastern Conference is, is ridiculously. Oh, by the way, the Devils do not, with all those trades mentioned, last point to wrap them up. They don't have a second or third round pick for this draft. So, and they don't have a second round pick for 2021. So they they traded a lot of draft capital. So they they need to get a lot of draft capital back in rounds two and three. And obviously, if they can add a second first round pick. Uh, that would be smart, but um, I mean, you know, you take a look at, of how tight things are, and not that the the Islanders lose a couple of games, um, they're going to pull out of the playoff bubble. But 
I mean, here, let's use the Islanders as an example from this standpoint. The Islanders so far this year are 19-6-2. It's just an incredible record, right? They have 40 points. They've played a couple less games more so than that with a lot of the t- uh, teams in the Eastern Conference. But 19-6-2. But they're, yet they're only three points ahead of the Flyers, four points ahead of the Penguins who are in the wild card one spot, and five points ahead of the Kings. Uh, who are in the second wild card spot. Now, they do have a cushion for uh, the, the first team outside of the playoffs, which ironically is the Rangers. So they have nine points behind them. And like I said, the Islanders have games in hand, at least two games in hand on a lot of these teams. In the case of the Capitals, who are the Islanders, by the way, are nine points behind the first place. Uh, they have four games in hand. So my point being is you would think, like, with a record of 19-6-2 and two, that – you know, you would be kind of on easy street from the standpoint of if you had a couple of bad weeks, you know, uh, you'd be, you know, you wouldn't have to look over over your shoulder. Uh, but that's just how the, you know, the Eastern Conference is is playing right now. And um, um, you know, right, you know, right, you have the Rangers, Buffalo outside the picture at 31 points, Toronto at 30 outside, and then our uh, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning there, Dan Harrigan. At 29, so um, yeah, the Eastern Conference is, is a bit nutty right now. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit, and I just wanted to get your reaction on whether I'm a little green to start bringing this up. But we might have a 50 and 50 watch this season. So, what do you think about Pasternak? with 25 goals in 29 games. If he gets, uh, let's say he gets one or two tonight, and he's at 26-27 heading into game 30, am I a little green in starting the 50 and 50 clock on this? That's, you know, that's, he, you know as, as crazy as good as he's been, he's still, you know, he's still considerably off the pace. I mean, I mean so basically he's four games behind a goal a game, which of course Mike Bossy did back in yep. the day, fifty and fifty. And um uh, then there's that but, uh fifty and thirty nine guy. <laughs> but let's let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> but um uh I wouldn't say you're a little green, it's important to note, but uh, it just shows you how in, in hard it is to do fifty and fifty that he's like basically basically the next four games uh, he would have to score two goals a game to get on pace, uh, which is very, very hard to do. But it, it is amazing what uh, he is doing up there. And and that goes for all – all. I mean, when when you look at – like, and you mentioned how how well the Islanders have played this so far in the season. Um, I mean, for Boston to have 46 points in 29 games – Washington to be sitting at 49 points with only 31 games played. Uh, now the Islanders still have four games in hand on Washington, um, two games in hand on Boston, and they're sitting at four points. And after 27 games, but still looking up, you, you, the Islanders have only lost six games in regulation all season um, and still looking up in the overall standings. It's it's going to be a, a – Goodness gracious, if you're trying to get into the playoffs in either one of those divisions, and I mean, you're Florida, you're sitting, and I, I was talking with this with a buddy at work. Boston's at 46 points, okay? Montreal is second place with 32 points in the division. That's free. Right behind them in the preview show, Florida, I didn't think they'd be in third place with 31 points and points in the hole on the Boston Bruins, sir. Well, the Bruins have only lost three games in regulation, and the Capitals in yeah. 29 games, and the Capitals have only lost four games in four. regulation in 31 Ridiculous. games. So that Ridiculous. means, you know, so they're picking up a point, the worst case, at least, that you know, that's why it's very, very hard, um, you know, to catch these teams. And, in fact, Boston has not lost a game in regulation at home. Uh, they've lost five games in overtime. Uh, and that's another part of this whole equation is like roughly give or take uh, 30% of the games go to extra time, which means 30% of the games are 
or a three-point contest, which makes it harder to climb the ladder. Um, but, um, yeah, no, I think it's going to be wild. And, you know, um, it's, you know, some of these other teams, I mean, Toronto looked like with the coaching change, they were getting on a good roll. And um, now they've lost a couple in a row. Um, so, and Tampa, they came back from Sweden, thinks they were going to get rolling, and they've they've uh, struggled a bit as well. So, um, uh, you you have to wonder, uh, you know, the Flyers have been on a nice run recently. Um, so, you have to wonder how this is all going to play out. But you, the bottom line is there's just so many, you know, at least good teams and above that you got to keep winning. Yeah, 100%. That'll circle back to how we were uh, finishing up the Golden Knights segment. Um, Before that little winning streak, they were 16th in the league. And they've, you know, you win four in a row or five games unbeaten where you have, what, nine out of a possible 10 points. They've only moved up to 13th overall. And the two teams behind them have two games in hand, that being Minnesota and Vancouver. Uh, consistency uh, the season seems I mean obviously you want to play consistent hockey and and so on and so forth Um, the the St. Louis right there with 42 points and the Islanders as well there's a good chance they're going to run and run away and hide with their respective divisions and then you start looking at it there's a whole host of teams from now talking league-wide from 16 to six is five points. So, like you said, a good week may not get you up into that top eight, top nine, where you're a little more comfortable. A bad week, and you're going to be on the outside looking in, especially in that Eastern Conference. And you, uh, you'll be interesting to see what that means in terms of who's going to be the sellers and who's going to be the buyers. I mean, there's going to be – I would think, tend to think that would limit how many sellers there are, which will help a team like New Jersey who's in massive sell because everyone, you know, wants to buy. Or, you know, how many teams take a step back and say, you know what, we're really not this good. We should sell this asset at this particular time because we can get a lot for them and take the long view uh, <laughs> along, along those lines. So um, uh, I'll be, it'll be curious to see. Uh, but someone like Taylor Hall, there's not going to be many Taylor Halls on the market uh, between now and the trade deadline. So given all those givens, New Jersey, would think, would do very well uh, for him in a, in, a, in a package. Now, then, then comes some intangible. Like, I'll give you a case in point, uh, although it's kind of tricky cause, uh, in terms of long term. But let's say the Islanders, who could use another uh, big-time scorer, uh, step up uh, with a big offer. Uh, for a tail hole. Is New Jersey going to be willing to deal with a team in their own division, let alone in the area? Now, Devils Islanders are not, it's not like Islanders Rangers to put it for people outside of this market. But, I, I, you know, they still have a lot of fan base. But um, if, they, if they can get a big, the best big package from them, would they do that? You know, is that some, or are they going to eliminate certain teams and say, we want to trade him to, a Colorado, we want to trade him to a St. Louis, or you know, why not? So, uh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, moving parts with this. Yeah, I say all things being equal, they'd rather get him into the West if they get a comparable yeah. package. I, I I would look for that. Um, I know you want <laughs> you'd like to keep him somewhere near that metropolitan area north of the city, I would believe. But I would I would look for them to you know. Chris was just talking about how he's been getting some hot and heavy information this morning where um, the Colorado deal may be something to look for uh, sooner rather than later. Um, I I kind of, as much as I hate to say it, think that that might be his ultimate landing spot if they can agree on a package. Yeah, I know. I I think they're, I think they're a big favorite. Like I said, is, from a cap standpoint, they feel like they probably can make a big uh, uh, run. You know, the, the other the, the danger is to keep in mind is, um, you know, trading a big package for a guy who's a rental. And clearly, you know, at this point, you know, all bets are going to be off with Taylor Hall. The only it's going to be a Mark Stone situation who re-signed once you know, who signed the deal once the deal was done. I think he's going to look at the off season. He has an agent who pu- uh, pu- pushes his players 
to explore all their options. So, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And then you're going to get traded to a new market. They'll ride it out. They'll give everything they have, hopefully for a team pushing for a big Stanley Cup run. And, and um, But as when we had Chris Moore on, once said, only one team gets to win the Cup. So to give up a big package of assets for a rental, you know, is uh, that's not an easy thing to do. No, for sure, for sure. Well, we're just about out of time this week, Chris. Uh, you got anything on tap for us coming up? We're going to get to our midweek review show hopefully this Wednesday. Um, we'll be heading yeah. into the uh, St. Louis-Dallas uh, portion of this week's schedule, so that'll be interesting to see where they are. What else we got going on? Next Saturday, we're going to have Mark Scheig on to talk a little Eastern Conference hockey. Nice. Uh, we're we're you know, we'll have to figure out our schedule the rest of the month with the holidays and, and such. Um, but we'll have we'll have some good shows for everyone as well. And then in the new year, as um, as uh, Chris alluded to, his partnership with Lyle Richardson of Spectre Saki, we're going to have Lyle on uh, first half day in January. And then the following week uh, for, uh, in January, we're going to have Russ Cohen on. So talk a uh, little flyers, a little draft. Lyle, of course, to paint the picture. Uh, with the upcoming trade deadline, which at that point will be about six weeks away. So uh, we've got a lot of good stuff going on uh, uh, with upcoming shows. All right, that is good stuff. Well, hopefully we'll be here look, uh, talking to everybody Wednesday night, schedules and health permitting. Yes, um, yes. But in, until then, for Chris, on Mark, and we're gone. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.